The Job Clinic with Leeds Teaching Hospitals NHS Trust. Robotic surgeon, medical photographer and other unusual careers in the NHS. Hello, I'm Caroline Verdon and welcome to episode seven of The Job Clinic. Now, it will be really useful for us if you could leave us a review. If you are on Apple, just write a few nice words and that will help us immensely. Now, on this week's episode, I'm joined by Rosemary Rushworth. So, Rosemary, in the true Job Clinic style, please can we start this off by you giving us your job title? I am a regional specialist social worker. I understand, I think, what a social worker is, but I didn't realise they worked for the hospital. So um, I am a Leeds social worker, so I'm working for Leeds City Council and I'm registered as a, a Leeds social worker. And I see myself as almost franchised out to the NHS. And the way that that works is that we have a number of teams within the hospital who will support children and young people with specific types of illness. For instance, liver conditions or an oncology service, renal, CF. We tend to work with the full medical team as a multi-agency service whereby we can offer the family a full package of support and care. What does that involve, the the support and the care that you're able to to offer? So it differs depending on whether the family lives in Leeds or not. When they live in Leeds, we obviously have a statutory role of supporting them and safeguarding. When they don't live in Leeds, because a lot of the services within the hospital will have children coming from other areas I know that in liver, there's only three paediatric liver services in the country. In Leeds, their remit is vast. So they will support children that come, I always say, from Blackpool to Scarborough and all the way up to the tip of Scotland and down to Cheshire. And so, you know, if you can imagine, these families are travelling a long way. This is the only place that they would be able to have a transplant And that puts a massive impact on their social setting. So we are there, even when they're not Leeds families, to try to support them um, as much as as possible, really. And obviously each family is individual as to what their needs are. But we tend to start from the basics of being almost like a preventative service. We don't want things to escalate where families are not able to get to the hospital to meet their children's needs. So we try to put things in place. So things like funding and making sure that they've got transport, making sure that they've got someone to care for the other children at home, almost making a plan with them when we know that a child is going to be listed for a transport, for instance, so that when that actually happens, it's not such a massive deal to have to cope with because it can happen at any time when they get the call for the procedure to happen. So we support those families We can support them for quite a long time, to be honest. And obviously, um, if there are any safeguarding concerns, a lot of those concerns could be escalated if they've got a child that's got additional needs because it's not the expectation, I suppose, when you have a child that that's what's going to happen. But a lot of these children can have these issues from birth, you know, the the lifelong conditions. Um, So we are there to try and support these families um, as much as possible. 
I mean, parenting is hard anyway. I have two little boys and to all intents and purposes, they have no additional needs. And it is hard and it is a hard juggle and it is mentally hard. It's physically hard. So I can only imagine how difficult it must be when you have all of these extra stresses on top. So to be able to have somebody who can help you, right, you're going to need a plan and you're going to, we need to sort out what, that must be a huge relief to these families. We hope so. I mean, I've worked within the hospital now for about 12 years and I've worked with three different medical teams. And obviously, to some extent, they can be a little bit different, have to be because of the children's needs. But like when I worked in liver, obviously, it was very much around looking at um, children who were going to need a transplant. In renal, very similar because they're going to need a kidney transplant. But the difference is that they are quite often on dialysis. And that can be dialysis at home, which has its own issues, obviously, because mainly it's parents that provide that. Or they're coming to the hospital three, four times a week for dialysis sessions. So it's very, very important that we look at the whole picture for these families, that it's not just about meeting the medical needs of that one particular child. It's very much about trying to support the whole family and also about trying to normalise things a little bit for these children. Um, You know, make sure that they've got the right support in school so they can attend and have an education that they've got the funding that they deserve to have, which helps with transport costs and and lots of other things that, you know, they might need. Um, Because, for instance, you know, you've got children that are on dialysis for up to, like, two, three years. They can even be on... I know over COVID, it's been, you know, we've had no donors, basically. So, you know, you've got even more children who are having to go through that. So, you know, we do offer that sort of emotional side of things as well. We do build up really good relationships with those families. And, for instance, you know, I still have phone calls from families years later and they'll ring me and say, I just thought I'd ring you, you know, to ask you this. And that's fine because that's what I do. Obviously, there are times when there are safeguarding issues, you know, things like non-compliance, not coming to the hospital when asked. But it's about um, pulling that apart and actually trying to find out what is at the bottom of that because in most cases the families do want to do the best for their children but like I said the difficulty of actually having to travel and having other children at home can be the thing that's stopping them from doing that. I would say it's one in a thousand if not more where there are what you would call neglect issues. It tends to be more around how are we going to do this? We can't manage. And with a little bit of support, it can go a long way into preventing those children from not getting the, you know, the medical needs met, really. How did you become a social worker? How did you get into it? Was it something you always wanted to do? So I haven't always been a social worker. So basically, um, I started to be in what we call the care sector when my children were small um, and they started nursery and school and I just wanted to, you know, a little job that um, fitted around them like a lot of people do. And I started in the adult care sector. So I was that person that went to those people's houses. I was that person that, 
you know, got them up, made the breakfast, turned them in the bed, changed them. And I did that for quite a while. But the fact was that all of those skills are transferable. So, you know, you've got a child who's got an illness. All of those things are, are very similar, but obviously they're just smaller. <laughs> um, so it was very much around, no, I, I need to do more now. So I went to university when my children were teenagers and continued to work as well. So I've worked for Lisa Council now for 27 years and then became a social worker. And you, you go through the normal couple of years in child protection. Um, and I decided, no, I want to work with disabilities because that's where I feel comfortable, really. Um, and I think it's a, more about supporting because in child protection, you've got to understand that social workers don't, or don't stay involved for a long time. They would go in, they would obviously um, address the issues. And then once things was more settled, let's hope, they would leave the family with early help or some other support network. Whereas disabilities is a long-term support network because it has to be. And so you do build up those relationships with the children who become adults, with the families who you get to know them very well. You get to discuss all then, you know, ins and outs of everything. And I think in that way then you're able to provide the support. Whereas if you're just jumping into something for a few weeks and you're jumping out, you're not actually getting a massive picture of what goes on day to day. So that's why I became well, what we call a disability social worker. And then a role came up in the hospital and I got the job. And this is where I am now. So for the first um, eight years, I worked in the liver service. We built that service massively to include post-transplant assessments. So we were providing people with the right information and with the right support network. We've also built a transition service within liver so that the young people that are moving through to go to adults are gaining experience and becoming more independent. So it makes a massive difference for when they do go to adults because obviously they transfer usually around 16, which is very young. But it also means that we have less deaths. That's basically it. You have less deaths because you are giving those young people an understanding of their own illness and the reasons why they have to take this medication or whatever else, which means that when they do go to adults, what we're finding is there's a lot less non-compliance, which then leads, obviously, to less illness and less deaths. It's a huge, pivotal role, then, that you play. It's a massive role. You know, like I've been here 12 years, so I can see a child as a newborn and I now see them, you know, as 12-year-olds. <laughs> um, or I'll see them when they're, a, you know, a teenager. And every now and then I'll bump into one. You know, even in, like, the supermarket, I'll bump into one that's in the 20s and it's like, wow, look, look at you, what happened to you? <laughs> they recognise me and I don't recognise them because they've changed so much. <laughs> Rosemary, thank you so much for sharing with us all about your job and what it involves. Yeah, again, it's another job that I just didn't realise existed within a hospital. Coming up on next week's episode, I speak with Anna de Soma, who is a trainee pharmaceutical scientist. The Job Clinic 
with Leeds Teaching Hospitals NHS Trust. Robotic surgeon, medical photographer and other unusual careers in the NHS. The Job Clinic is an under-the-mast audio production.